God bless you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Pastor John Spate here at Christ Church in Northern Virginia. You know, today uh, we have those worshiping with us from Mexico, from California and Texas, from Oklahoma, from Kansas, Michigan, Georgia, Florida, North and South Carolina, New York and New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and of course right here in uh, Christ Church's home state of Virginia, as well as the country of Kenya. Welcome everyone from all around the world and across the United States. You are a part of a great church family, and we're so glad it's our church family, ours together. We are the people of God known as Christ Church. I'm gonna encourage all of you now just to take just a quick moment and check in. Be sure to do that, whether you do it right this minute or whether you do it later on or right after the worship service today. Be sure you click that check-in button right at the top of your screen there. Let us know that you're present. You can also share your prayer requests with us. We would be very honored if you would do that. And you know, today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. So glad that you are worshiping with us today. And we want you to know that we are grateful for your leadership and your passion and for the love that you have for your wives and your children. So dads, this video is to say thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dad. You know, folks, right now you can honor your father uh, or your husband or your dad by uh, clicking that heart and letting those hearts fly across the screen. You know, we get the fact I'm a dad too. I know that I'm far from perfect. But you know, you know we, we have an opportunity to honor the commitments that dads have made. And I've said many times before, you know, your relationship with your father may not have been the best, but the fact is, if it weren't for your dad, you wouldn't be here. So we wanna say thanks, dad, for giving us the privilege of life. Let those hearts fly, I see them flying right now. We are thankful, so thankful that you are willing to give your dad some, some love today as uh, this Father's Day continues. Well, while the hearts are flying and uh, you are uh, pulling out your Christchurch notes, if you have printed them, go ahead and pull those out. You can also reference them on the uh, screen. You'll find under the notes tab there, you will find the message notes. In fact, let me say this on, uh, on this Sunday. If you have not printed these notes yet uh, and you just don't have time to do that, if you can just find a, just a blank sheet of paper, write these things that I'm gonna be telling you down and then you can transfer them over. You can print the notes out later, transfer them over to the notes in the proper place and, uh, and you'll wanna keep this kind of thing because we're talking about what it means to be the church. What does it mean to really, genuinely, seriously be the church of Jesus Christ? You and I, we need this stuff today. Just wanna say, you know, when I was a kid growing up in elementary school, one of the worst things that you could call someone was coward. Yeah, to be a coward, and I think if I'm, I guess really if I am still honest, you know, today, you know, as an adult, you know, I don't wanna be ever thought of as cowardly. 
I don't want to be thought of as cowardly. You know, uh, uh, it's one of the most despised human qualities, I think. And uh, you're almost willing to do anything rather than being called a coward. You know, when, uh, when I was, uh, maybe you remember when you were a kid in, uh, in school, and somebody would dare you to do something, dare you to do something, you know, you would do some of the dumbest, stupidest, most dangerous, life-threatening things, all to avoid being called the most dreaded of words. What is it? Right here. There it is. (laughs) You never wanted to be called a chicken. Nobody wants to be called a chicken. You know, as a society, folks, we love courageous people. We don't like cowardly people. We despise the cowardly people. You know, and all the, all the good movies, the, the, uh, the good guys are, are courageous and the bad guys are cowardly. You know, in our, in our families, particularly we guys, we want our wives and our children to see us as, as courageous. Why? Because uh, being courageous is, is what, what heroes are made of. Heroes are made of, uh, of this courageous nature. And speaking of uh, being courageous, uh, last night, my family uh, gave me my Father's Day gifts. And I was opening up the gifts uh, and when I got to my daughter's gift to me, Taylor, my daughter's gift to me, uh, I pulled out and there was a pair of socks. And I said, well, you, thank you, honey. I appreciate you giving, to, giving them to me. And she said, Dad, I want you to wear them on Sunday. And as I looked more at the socks, I, I hemmed and hawed a little bit and said, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'm gonna wear them on Sunday. And she said, Dad, I dare you to wear those socks on Sunday. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hate to be dared. You know, even as an adult, I hate that. And when she got to the double dog dare, you know, that's when I knew I absolutely had to do it. So I'm gonna pull pull my pants legs up a little bit right here, pull my socks up. And you'll see that these socks have a picture of my son and my wife and my daughter all over these socks. Now, don't tell me that doesn't take at least a little bit of courage to wear socks with your family's picture on them. Well, there you go, all right. So, when we think of, when we think of courage, uh, we usually think of death-defying uh, acts, heroic and great sacrifices, maybe running into a burning building to save a child. We think of the astronauts on Apollo 13. You know, we think of Congressional Medal of Honor uh, uh, winners. We think of Holocaust survivors. You know, we think of people like that. But here, let me tell you what the truth is. The truth is that it takes a lot of courage. And I mean a lot of courage simply to deal with life on a daily basis. It's a fact. It simply takes a lot of courage to deal with life on a daily basis, to live your life and to do the right thing. 
It takes a ton of courage. You know, every day you and I are making choices. We're making choices every day. Uh, Our choices reveal whether you are courageous or coward. Courageous or cowardly. And I've been talking about what it means to be the church. Remember, last couple of weeks, what it means to be the church. And that is, if you're really serious, what does it take to be the church? Well, I've talked about commitments. I've talked about the commitments that we need to make in order to be the church, like uh, committing our lives to Jesus and modeling what it means to be a follower of Christ and being, a, and being committed to uh, being a minister of God's grace, that is, using your gifts and talents. I've talked about being passionate, what it means to be passionate. To be, to, be, uh, to be passionate. And we talked about the passion killers, that which steal our joy and steal the passion like an unused talent uh, uh, or not knowing our purpose or not balancing our schedule. All of these things kill our passion and keep us really from being the church of Jesus Christ. That is, <clears throat> being the people that God has called us and created us to be. You know, and here's the thing. You know, if you want to be the church of Jesus Christ, the reality is, you know, you just simply have got to be different. You have to learn to be different. You know, you never, you never change the world by swimming in the same direction that everybody else is swimming. Where if you're all swimming downstream, nobody is challenging anything. You, you, you can only be the church of Jesus Christ when you truly make a commitment to be different. Changed people change the world. Different makers are different people. You never change the world by going in the same direction. If I want to make a difference, I got to be different. There it is. If I want to be different, I've got to I've got to make a, if I want to make a difference, I've got to be different. Now Jesus said, check this out. Jesus said in John 16:33 he says this. In this world you're going to have trouble. All right, stop right there. Can I get a witness? I mean, let let me hear it. You know, in in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's just the bottom line, people. It's not optional. There's no option to this. You know, we're going to make, we're going to be, we're going to have trouble in this world. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised when it does. But look what Jesus says. But be what? Say it out loud. Courageous, say courageous, courageous, but be courageous. Why can you be courageous? Check this out. Here's what he says. I have overcome the world. Got it? Why can you be courageous? Because Jesus has overcome the world. See, in this world, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> so am I. You know, who I do. Uh, so do you. In this world, we do have trouble, but we can be courageous because Jesus has overcome the world. So today, I'm gonna, we're gonna get real practical here, and I'm gonna give you a couple of, uh, uh, of ways that, that you can live courageously. What does it take, folks, for you to live courageously? I'm gonna be telling you about that right now. So, here we go. I'm gonna put the first one up, and here we're gonna start. Uh, I live courageously by doing this. 
acknowledging my sin. How do I live courageously? Number one, by acknowledging my sin. Can we say that together? Ready? Acknowledging my sin. One more time. Acknowledging my sin. Now, you got to hear me say that this. I used this word on purpose. I used the word sin here on purpose. You know why? Because we want to do everything we can to avoid this word. We, we, want to, we want to call it anything and everything but that word. We want to call it our, uh, a blooper or a blunder or a fault or a failure or a lack of judgment, whatever it may be. But you know what the Bible calls it, right? Right here. Sin. That's what the Bible calls it. And that's what we ought to call it. That's what we ought to call it. In fact, you know, uh, uh, we find this. Jesus says that we've all sinned. First John 1 John 1.8, he says, if we say... We aren't sinful. We're deceiving our, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Look at that. If we say, hey, we're not sinful, who are we kidding? We're deceiving ourselves, right? And the truth isn't in us. We're just simply kidding ourselves. The fact is, though, and here's kind of funny thing, is that we're only deceiving ourselves because everybody around you already knows you're sinful. <laughs> Everybody's got it but us right? We're the only ones who, who don't think we are from time to time. Everybody else knows that, that uh, you're sinful. So what are you kidding yourself for? You know, if we don't admit it, we're not admitting the truth. That's just the way it is. And so let's just be flat out honest. We don't like to admit that we are sinful. And the reason is this, and I think maybe, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, I don't want to appear sexist in any way, but I think maybe it's, it's more of a guy thing than a, than, at least in my own experience. Uh, guys, we just simply don't want to admit we're wrong. We don't want to admit that we failed. We don't want to admit that, that we did not know what we were doing. You know, and that's the reason we don't want people to think less of us. We don't want people to think that, that somehow we've messed up or they're going to think less of us because we've made uh, these sins and errors and mistakes and blunders and bloopers and whatever else you want to call it. You know, the reality is we just have got to learn, guys, particularly guys. We've just got to learn to acknowledge our own sinfulness. And I'm telling you why. Here's why. Because when you admit it, when you own up to it, when you acknowledge it, when you say, hey, look, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? You know what that is? It is a mark of spiritual maturity. That's exactly what it is. It's a mark of spiritual maturity. And that's a good thing. It's a mark of courage. When you admit it, acknowledge it, own up to it, say, hey, look, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? It is a mark of courage when you do just that. So let me ask you this question. What is it that you have been afraid to own up to? What is it that you haven't owned up to? Uh, what is it in your marriage that you haven't owned up to? What is it in your relationships, your friendships, that you haven't owned up to? Or what is the behavior that you've been hiding that you hope nobody notices that you've never owned up to? You know, the Bible says this in, in Proverbs 8, uh, 28, 13. 
great verse. It says, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. There you go. Let me tell you, denial never works in the long run. Yeah, you may get a little few little short-term games, uh, games, but that you will never, denial never works in the long run. Never works there. And look what the rest of the verse says. Confess them and give them up. Then what? God will have mercy on you. Hey, that's pretty good, right? You'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sin, but confess them and give them up, and then God will have mercy on you. Here's the deal, folks. Just listen to me say this. <laughs> the inability to own up to your sinfulness is the great destroyer of marriages, the great destroyer of relationships, the great destroyer of friendships, the great destroyer of careers. The inability to own up to your sin is the great destroyer. The inability to say, look, it's my fault. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Has ruined more marriages than any of us can even begin to count. You know, people who make a lasting permanent difference for good are those who have personal authenticity. Fakes rarely make it. They may make it for a little while, but they don't make it in the long run. Cons don't make it. Fakes don't make it. They all just peter out. They don't last. What lasts? The truth lasts. Phonies don't make it, but the truth will always win and last in the end. Courage. What is courage? First thing is this. Let's say it together. Courage is acknowledging my sin. That's how I live courageously. First thing, acknowledging my sin. Now, here's the second one I want you to know. I live courageously when I do this, when I stand up for what is right. I want you to write that in. I live courageously when I stand up for what is right. Courage is standing up for what is right. Let's take a look at the scripture right here. It is from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, stand strong in what you believe. I like to stand strong. It takes courage to do that, right? Stand strong in what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong. Why don't we say that scripture out loud all the way through? Ready? Let's do it. Stand strong in what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong. There it is. From 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. You know, today, I think very few Christians are willing to stand up for what's right. You know, in our world where people are mistreated in a world where justice at times seems to be meted out unequally and unfairly and inconsistently, in a world where people are treated as less than being created in the image of God simply because of the color of their skin, you know, uh, is, is repugnant to the word of God. We Christians just can't abide that kind of thing. We have a theological mandate to do what? 
to stand up for what's right. You and I, listen to me, you and I have a theological mandate to stand up for what is right. A theological mandate from God himself to do what? To stand up for what is right. You know, this past week, I was so sad, and I read, this came across my, the feed on my telephone, I think it was a Google News report, that uh, there was a man in North Carolina who called a predominantly black church in Virginia Beach and threatened to burn their church to the ground. You know why? Because their church had participated in a nonviolent march against the deaths of these recent deaths of African Americans. And because the church had participated in Virginia Beach in a nonviolent, peaceful march with their, with, their, uh, with their United States citizenship right to protest, this guy from North Carolina called the church in Virginia Beach and said, you, and then he used the N-word, and he said, you, and then N-word, you need to shut up or I'll burn your church to the ground. That's a quote. What's that about? I mean, how can, how can people do that kind of thing? It's repugnant to the word of God. It's repugnant to the way that we're to live out the Christian life. And you know what that makes us? It makes us cowardly when we fail to stand up and do the right thing. Let me tell you one more story. I was thinking about this this week. You know our dear friends next door, our Jewish friends next door at Temple B'nai Shalom receive three to four written death threats on their temple every year in Fairfax County. And do you know why they receive these death threats? Because they're Jewish. That's the reason that they get the death threats. Simply because they're Jewish. And you don't want to know the sad thing? The really, really, really sad thing, and this just breaks my heart, I mean breaks my heart, is that in those letters, many of them claim to be Christians. They claim to be Christians. Well, newsflash people, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. What's up with this? There are certain things we cannot abide as the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care what you call yourself. You're not a believer. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're threatening to burn a, a, a church to the ground, you're, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're threatening the lives of our Jewish friends, you may go to church, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian. You can go to McDonald's and you're not going to be a hamburger. Folks, you just got to get it. We have got to stand up for what is right. And where do you get the courage to do that? Where do you get the courage to speak to your relative, to your family member, 
Where do you get the courage to speak to your neighbor? Where do you get the courage to speak to your coworker when they've gone off the deep end? Where do you get that courage? Well, check this out first from Psalm 119. Some selected verses there. It says, let your love, God, shape my life. Then I'll be able to stand up to mockery because I trusted your word. As I look for your truth and your wisdom, I'll tell the world what I find and I'll speak out boldly in public, unembarrassed. Folks, I want you to say a couple of words with me. I want you to say the word love. Say it, love. I want you to say the word truth. Say it, truth. I want you to say the word wisdom. Say it, wisdom. These are things right here. These are the words that will give you the motivation and the courage to do the right thing. It is love, it's truth, and it's godly wisdom. It's God's love, God's truth, and God's wisdom in your life will give you the courage to do what? Let's say it together. Stand up for what's right. There it is. That's what we do. Love, truth, wisdom, God's love, God's truth, God's wisdom. That's the way it is. You see, folks, if I really love God with all my heart, and if I really love the truth that's contained in God's word, and if I really love people, that's the motivation that you're going to need right there to do this. Say it together. Stand up for what's right. That's where we get the motivation to do it. If you really love God with all your heart, if you really uh, trust God that's contained in it, uh, to, uh, to have the truth that's contained in God's word, if you really stand up for the wisdom that God gives to you in your life, that's where you're going to have the courage to stand up for what is right. So how in the world now do I build up courage in my life to do what's right? How do I do it? How do I do it? Here's how you do it. Here's the first thing. First thing is you got to pray for boldness. Write it in. Write it down. You got to do it. You got to pray for boldness. Let me tell you, this boldness, well, let me put it this way. I got to say it like this. Godly boldness, hear, hear that? That was the adjective in front. Godly Boldness doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. We need to pray for it. Folks, we need to pray for godly boldness, for the courage. Even the apostle Paul, who was probably the most courageous person I, uh, I've ever read about, is the apostle Paul. And he even asked the church at Ephesus, to pray for him for boldness. Matter of fact, check this out. Ephesians 6.20 says, pray. Paul, Paul is saying, hey church, pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. You hear that? That's what Paul prayed. Pray that I will uh, pray that I will know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Folks, here it is. Ask God for courage. Ask God for courage. One more time. Ask God for courage. Why? Because you need to pray for a boldness. You need to pray for boldness. We don't need to go any further into that. It's self-explanatory. Simply pray for boldness. Here's number two. Number two is this, to expect God to use me. Got it? Write this in. Expect God to use me. Expect God to use me. 
Yeah, expect God to use me. Paul, when he was writing to the Philippian church, wrote a beautiful, passionate message. I love this. It's uh, Philippians 1.20. Just a real short thing, but it's incredibly passionate. I love it. He says this to the church at Philippi. He says, the thing I want and hope for is that I will not fail Christ in anything. Ah, just stop right there. The thing that I want and hope for is that I will not fail Christ in anything. And then he goes on. I hope I will have the courage now, as always, to show the greatness of Christ in my life here on earth. You know, folks, God will work in your life when you are willing to stand on faith, to trust him, to trust him. God will use you. He will use you. The moment you're willing to stand up and do what's right, you're praying for boldness, and now God's willing to do it, but you need to expect him to do that that he will empower you, that he will infuse you with what it is you need to stand up to do the right thing. And how do you do it? You pray for boldness, and number two, you expect God to use you. Now, let me tell you this. It's not, this is not an easy thing. Courage is not the absence of fear. Listen to me say it again. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing in spite of your fear. That's absolutely gospel. The cur courage is not the absence of anxiety. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be afraid. Yeah, you will. It's, the, it's natural when you're doing the right thing and you're having to stand up to people that you care about or people who are in positions of power over you. It's, it's not, the courage is not the absence of anxiety. It's simply moving forward in spite of your anxiety. Courage is not the absence of nervousness. It's moving forward in spite of your nervousness. It's doing the right thing because you love God. It's doing the right thing because you've been infused with his truth. It's doing the right thing because you are given God's wisdom in your life to do it. And let me tell you, if you're, if you're not, if you don't have any fear, if you're not nervous, if you don't have any anxiety when you're standing up to somebody about doing the right thing, you know, I, I, I can't even imagine what that might be like. I would begin to wonder about, you know, do, do, you, do you have any compassion? See, compassion can make you feel that there's some fear and some anxiety and some nervousness when you do certain things and stand up for what is right. But you've got to expect God to use you. Here's the third thing. And uh, no, I, wanted to, I want to give you a scripture before I go. And that is, Joshua 1, 9, one among my favorites, Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. God says to Joshua, look, be strong and courageous. Let's say it together. Be strong and courageous. One more time. Be strong and 
courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Say it. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Say it. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah. Stand strong. Where, where, does it, where does this say that the Lord is? Asleep somewhere? No. He's with you. The Lord is with you. And where is the Lord with you? Wherever it is that you go. Yeah, you're not alone. When you're standing up for the right thing, you're praying for boldness, you're expecting God to use you, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. And here's the last one. And that is, remember the end of the story. Remember the end of the story. I should have done a Paul Harvey and said the rest of the story, right? But this is what it is. You know, remember the end of the story. You know, what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by it. Uh, I've read the last book. I've read the last book. And guess what? God wins. Yeah. <laughs> God wins. I've read the last book and God wins. You know, history is God's history. And one day, one day, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to bring the curtain down on history. And God is uh, going to reward the righteous. He's going to punish the wicked, wicked, and he's going to establish judgment. Yeah, that's what he does. That's God's doing. Vengeance is not ours. That belongs to the Lord. One day it's all going to happen. History's God's story. And let me tell you, if you read the end of the story, it ought to give you some courage and it ought to give you some hope. You know, we're, we're not living in paradise right now, folks. Uh, and by the way, I, just in case you're confused, we're not living in heaven. Yeah, this world ain't heaven. We are living in a fallen, hurting place. Wasn't God's design? God didn't plan it that way. He created a great place, perfect place for us. That's how the story goes. And then who screwed it up? Well, we did. We did. It's not God's fault. We screwed it up. And because of that, we're paying the price right now, even today. You know, good old Job, who had every reason to be uh, resentful, had every reason to be angry, had every reason to be mad at God, he said this, you'll have courage because you'll have hope. And he's right. We have courage because we have hope. And why do we have hope? Because we know, what do we know? The end of the story. God wins. And God's going to take care of it. Yep, we may lose a few battles along the way, 
true, we may lose a fight here or there, but one day the king will come and God's kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And until that day, you and I need to be the church to do the right thing, to stand up for what's right, to pray for boldness, to expect God to use us because we know the end of the story. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being yours. On this Father's Day, we are grateful, God, that we have the privilege of being yours. Lord, it, sometimes it is so frustrating to be a part of the world where we see so many things going haywire. And yet we know that one day the end of the story will come and one day you're going to make all things right. But until that day, we need to be the church. We don't have, we don't have the luxury of time in our own lifespans simply not to do the right thing. And so help us, Lord, to stand up, to be counted, to take on the commitments and the passion we need to be the church of Jesus Christ that makes a difference in the world around us. We don't want to be some half-hearted, wimpy church. We want to be your church. We want to make a difference in the world in which we live, and we know that only changed people are world changers. And for those of you who have yet to experience the freeing and saving grace of Jesus, I, I pray, Lord, that they would seek you today to come to you and say, you know, Lord, I'm far from perfect. And I don't understand how it all works, but I, I want to do, I want to trust you. I want to trust you and ask that you forgive me of all of my sin. Right now, I'm going to own up to it. I'm tired of hiding it. I can't wear that, that fake mask any longer. But I need, Lord, now to get right with you so that I can get right with those around me. So come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. And help me now, Lord, to begin living for you. Again, I don't know how it all works. But I'm going to step out in faith and trust you. And I'm going to do it right now. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.